everybody, it's Lori Burris with the Catch a Pocket Podcast. And tonight we start season three, episode 28, with my friend Jill Miller. Jill is the headmistress at the Finishing School for Modern Women. And if you haven't taken a class out there, you should. You should find something that you could work on. I took one for negotiations, and it really helped me a lot in my job, actually. So if you have a chance, look at her webpage. I'll post it here on the site and see if there's something that might fit or help you become a better you. So we've got a lot to take on this season and I hope to see I hope to hear from you guys and I hope to see you guys out there when we can when we're not under covid warnings and high levels and such but what I do want to say is please believe that scientists are real and please believe that they have your best intentions in their heart and they are here to help us with our safety so with that I love you guys I know you can do this so enjoy my interview with Miss Jill Miller and thank you for your time and your diligence and thank you for listening enjoy the show with Jill Miller. How are you today? Fabulous. And this is the Catch a Pocket Podcast. I'm your hostess, Lori Burris, and we are in the home studio just um, doing our thing, very far apart from each other. We are very safely socially distanced. And I Lysoled the whole thing, and this is much better than Zoom or Skype or any of the other things. So uh, season three. Congratulations. I, I I don't know. Should I do it or should I not? <laughs> do it, do it, do there it. There you go. Okay, so season three, episode 28. Wow, that's 28, awesome. folks. You're Congratulations. The Thank you very much. I really feel like I've learned so much from everyone. Everyone has its little piece that's very special to me. Cool. So Jill Miller's here. She's an entrepreneur. She's a media mogul. Yeah. Okay. Pretty media mogul. Um communications expert and just an overall great person in the culture of Wichita, Kansas. So how are you today? And I love everything you do. So thank you, Lori. You know, it's so interesting to hear somebody else describe you. It is. It is really interesting. So thank you. That was all those were all very nice kudos. Yeah, well, I hope so. I didn't I should have written something more eloquent, but that isn't my style, so we'll just stay with my uh, kind of dirt road hippie style. We're going to be authentically real here. I think so. And not worry about the 
the scripting. Or the likes or the pounds or any of that Mm-mm. stuff. Throw it away. Throw it away. All your great misconceptions out the window. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Okay. You were born where? I was born... Uh, I was a... <laughs> I thought you were going to say... No, 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 no. No, no I, um, I like to start my story by saying I was a little. I was born a little redheaded girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I was born in Hayes, USA. My parents were very young. Uh, my mom was 18 and my dad was 19 when I was born. Wow. So I was... My mom um, finished high school with me on her hip. Wow. So I am the product of a teenage mother. Okay. And, you know, I did a, a talk for some teen moms. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool. I had a picture of my mom in her cap and gown from mm-hmm. high school at North um, holding me cool. on her hip. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Look, it, I'm your baby, you know. Yeah. And they were like, meh, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. Not impressed no, that, but, huh? you know, they're teenagers. So you can't tell if they're impressed or not. That's true. Yeah. I have a teenager. Yeah. And he is all over the place. Yeah. I'm happy to be child free. Mm, You're sometimes (laughs) I've got to say 15 sucks straight off the bat. Yeah. He's a delicious treat. (laughs) Let me just say. It'll get better. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Or not. (laughs) It will. It will. We're going to we're going to think positive. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you, um, Product of a teenage mother. Yes, yes, yes. So um, they were at Fort Hayes State. My dad was at Fort Hayes State University, and that's why they were there. And they didn't have family or anything there. So here's my mother at 18 years old with a baby, and what the heck are you going to do with that? So they ended Mm -hmm. up moving back to Wichita when I was one, and we lived with my father's parents, my uh, paternal grandparents, Mm -hmm. for a while and um, then just lived in Wichita the rest of my life after that. Really? Yeah. So, okay, so you went to grade school in Wichita? And I went so to Cloud Elementary. Cloud? Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. And so you're a Wichita Public School District child. Yes, and I have a really, I think, an interesting tidbit about that. Um, when I was in fifth grade, I was an exchange student to an all-black school. They you, were, you got bust. Yeah, they were okay. trying the experiment to mm-hmm. see if what would happen if they bust, if they intermixed the mm-hmm. races with children. And so I was selected. I think I was one of six that went to an all-black school, and. I hadn't ever heard about anybody ever doing that until Terry Mott told me that she was an exchange student too. Which school was it? Did you got? I went to, to Isley. Isley, okay. And where did Terry Mott go? I forgot. I'm not sure where she went, but it was just for like two weeks. And then they it just didn't did that with us. No, it was just an experiment. They wanted to see how people would interact. So they sent some white kids to black schools and black kids to white schools to just see, like, would we kill each other? You know, what would happen? <laughs> you know, I thought it was fun. I thought you it was liked a blast. It? Yes. Well, I thought it was really interesting. I've always loved people. Me too. And so I love meeting new people. And so I got to meet all these people I would never have met. And then they had, during their school day, mm-hmm. they got to go into an annex. Mm-hmm. And play piano for like what? an hour. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, I could. I'm and all over this. Um, no, you had headphones. Oh, oh, like keyboarding. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
It was super cool. So you were like, into that. Yeah. You're like, I could totally play yeah. the piano. <laughs> I had fun. I liked the teacher. I liked the students. There was one girl in the class, though, that was not happy about it. She was Southern and had quite a drawl when uh-huh. she talked, and she was not happy about being there. And the black oh. students were not happy with her either. She had a bad experience. She did. She I mean, made it for herself, though. She, she just did. didn't understand. She was just... She didn't understand culturally where she was. It's Kansas. She was probably going home to parents that were saying less than positive things to her, which were making her, like, project. She was definitely from south of the Mason-Dixon, and that, you know, kind (laughs) of, that's going to change your outlook a little bit. It kind of does. Not everybody, but yes, I would say yes. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) that was interesting, and um, yeah. It was a really fun experience, but then, um, so that was when I was in fifth grade, and then when I was in sixth grade, they turned Isley into an alternative school. It was an arts mm. alternative school, mm-hmm. and so I went there at I, into Isley when I was in sixth grade for a half a year. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it was really weird. So you liked just, it? Yeah, so it wasn't all black school anymore. It was all, you know, crazy, freaky, creative people. Right. Arts. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my um, sixth grade teacher was Mr. Donaldson, who was a black man, which is really weird, too, to have a black um, teacher. Man teacher, yeah, too. In yeah, in grade school. So that was really interesting. He was really cool. We called him Mr. D. Yeah. And I played flute, and we had we started this group called the D7. There were seven of us, so we started awesome. this little group. We just could do fun stuff like that. Anyway, it was really fun And then you went experience. to junior high from there? Yep, I went to, um, I went to Pleasant Valley Junior High. Uh-huh. Um, um, I could have gone to Marshall. Okay. But my grandfather, Mr. Ed Miller, taught woodworking there. And I did not want to go where he taught school because I already knew people he'd given spats to. Oh. Because he yeah, was notoriously was, right. strict, yes. In fact, um, our friend, um, oh my <laughs> gosh, Mr. Fixit. Uh huh, Chris. He, yeah, he got spats from my grampy. I believe he probably needs one right now right now like right now chris yeah yeah it's funny he had pictures on it was when you know this was in the 70s when people had long hair and Uh he had pictures of people who'd had their scalps ripped off by uh woodworking equipment (gasps) that they weren't careful around (laughs) he was just horrified yeah yeah, i'm like i'm not going there yeah yeah so i went to pleasant valley especially middle school yes you're already totally self like loathing it's a weird age it's weird weird age. no one's like you and no one's had any experience like you so yeah yeah, you're so individual but you aren't anyways um so then high school came and you went to north high i did go to north high all right class of 79 i really enjoy north high you know even though it's a native american it's called the redskins and and it sometimes has this negative connotation I graduated from South High, and we were the Titans, mm-hmm. and they their theme and the whole everything sucked so bad. You put a red skin and get, like, guys hitting a drum and doing the war dance. Gotcha. And you are ready to play a sport. Yeah. I'm sorry, but they just, you know, so the first time I worked for the school district was at North High. Uh-huh. And it was in the library. And they said, we're going to have a pep rally. Will you help us watch kids? I'm like, sure. So I'm up on the second, 
balcony. Oh, yeah. And we used to go up there and smoke I hear pot. the drum. Boom, boom, boom. Well, there was no one smoking pot <laughs> yeah. anymore. Like, this is like 92 or something. I don't know. 98, maybe. But um, they start the drum and they all come in and the war cry. And it's, it, it was like, oh, this is, this is what a pep rally is. Kind of gives you chills, doesn't it? Yeah, it almost does. It's like, yeah. oh, we're getting psyched up for something, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is much better than throw the guy in the diaper running around. <laughs> well, that's just so sad because when you look at the mythology of Titans, you would think it would be cool, but it yeah. was it might be cool now. They might have like an actual mascot with a, a actual outfit. Uh-huh. But we had a dude I knew with a diaper toga, lightning carrying a lightning bolt and wearing a Caesar thing. And that was pretty much it. Okay. And they played like the marching band South High theme. Which yep. Same one you hear everywhere. Yep. And I was just like, this is lame. Yeah. <laughs> I was in marching band when I was um, a sophomore in high school. We had the most amazing, horrible, hot uniforms you've ever seen. They had these giant, like, bison helmets kind of thing. They were these white, furry helmets that were probably about 12 inches off your head and had, like, a black visor in the front and little, you know, little buttons on the side. And, oh, my God, they were so hot. And then the uniforms were wool. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. so hot. That does not sound pleasant. Uh, uh, it was not good. <laughs> and then, like, you'd walk in the Riverfest Parade for, like, 10 miles with that hot thing. Like, oh, I'm like, dying. Yeah, never again. <laughs> yeah, one year. So I lasted one, one year. year. Okay. Yeah, and Eric Kale, who is now the director at uh, the Wichita Historic Museum, yeah. was in marching band with me as well. He played trombone. Does he have the same fond memories? Or I don't know. I don't know. He was so shy. He still is. Yeah. But in high school, he's even just deathly shy. Really? And he'd hardly talk to anybody at all. Yeah. Wow. But he was so cool and so cute. Yeah. Of course. Yep. That's cool, though. It's kind of nice to see people grow up and become, you know, um, running things and doing things to help Wichita. And, and it's just so cool to me. That is fun, especially if you've grown up here and stayed here. Because mm-hmm. you've gotten to see, like why the city is so cool is because cool people now are doing things right and those uh, you know it does take a lot to stick your neck out and say your opinion you know that half the people that you're talking to are not going to agree with you if you say any any opinion at all and um you know i i kind of admire people that can do that and and graciously of course and Mm -hmm. and uh and get some something done like like Brandon Whipple uh-huh. and Brandon Johnson uh-huh. and and those guys who and Lacey Cruz and yeah. uh, those guys that can kind of articulate and think really quickly as people are trying to get them to mess up yeah the whole time, yeah make them yeah look when stupid. you know that more than half of the people in the room with want to see you fail yeah that is a tough and are, thing and are actually sometimes trying and physically trying to make you fail yep yeah i talk to people a lot about this though i really do think that what compels us Uh to keep moving is what the what our vision is so if you know what your vision is and you really can see you know a buy-on that beyond the horizon like what you're going for Mm. 
then you can put on blinders and not pay attention to the pretty people on the sidelines, mm. you know, and just you're, you have a mission. You're going for it. It doesn't right. matter. So you're not really hearing all the, the banter. You hear it, but you try to like brush it off. Right. Especially the negative. Yeah. Cause yeah. I've talked to a lot of people about this that have done good works in community is no good deed goes unpunished. And it really is true mm-hmm. that it doesn't. I started something called cash mob Wichita. Mm-hmm. I think it was like in two, 2007 or 2008 I read about it online uh, there's a guy in Buffalo New York who wanted to save his local hardware store so he started this thing where he got people together in a city and said we're going to during this amount of time go to the store and spend like $30 or something like that and make three new friends and try to save the hardware store right so I thought well this sounds really good and I started talking to people about it which mm-hmm. was my big mistake mm. because then they said Jill that's perfect you should do that and before long i'm doing it and i did it for like two years that was really good though for the community and it built up that um basically built up the queue line i feel like the the cash mob started the idea for the queue line for some reason because it was kind of based on that whole area of shopping sure and and it was kind of like shop local and then like watermark and you know the ferguson store and all, all those nice places. Well, that's the... nice of you, but actually we can blame it on Ann Kiefer. Kiefer? Because it was really yeah. Ann Kiefer that got that started. Really? And the same thing with uh, First kind of Friday that, that or Final Friday, too. Yeah. She started that, too, and yeah. doesn't get credit for it The ever. dead artists do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The famous dead artists. But Kiefer was the 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 money or the she influence did, She the put power. the downtown development uh organization behind it okay and i think that's what really she had the connections to be able to put the focus there yeah she's an instigator big time cool yeah i should get her on here sometime oh you should she really hates public speaking but this is more like a conversation so yeah this is very very informal it is there's no um pressure nope no pressure here so anyway, to finish my story with No Good Deeds Goes Unpunished, which I've turned into a really long story, um, <laughs> is the first time I did one, I decided to do Delano, to pick Delano as the area. Okay. And so I went around to all the short store owners in Delano and told them what I was going to do mm-hmm. and tried to decide, like, what is my criteria going to be? Because there are so many, and I only wanted to choose three. So mm-hmm. how do you choose three? So I decided that they had to be, um, that they had to be owned open for less than a year okay and they had to be locally owned okay and they had to agree to participate and i think those were the three criteria and so when i made the determination i started getting phone calls from the people who were not chosen and they were Mm. very 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 upset with me and so i got chewed out a lot and i said you know well here was my criteria sorry you didn't meet those right i know and you know it's interesting with Cash Mob, it mainly the object of the game was to draw attention to shop local. Mm-hmm. It was not to save any business because I don't believe that having one, you know, Cash Mob event is going to save a business. Right. Um, but it was certainly a fun, interesting um, it was experiment. Like a good fun experience, but also it taught you a lot about hum- human nature. Kind of. Yeah. I, I love people, so I'm really pretty forgiving of, yeah. you know. And, yeah, but too. also, you know, at the t- after we had the conversation, everybody was cool. Hmm. So I'm like, here's why I did this. Yeah. I just explained to exactly, them. Exactly, yeah. All that I can do is, uh, 
you know, I, I the job I work at, I do bids. And sometimes people get mad when they don't win the bid. Oh, yes, they do. And uh, so it causes me to have to do a lot of other work to show them why or prove that I was being fair and, you know. Uh-huh. And so it's all about ethics and fairness and, yeah. and, and documentation. And transparency. And transparency. Yeah. And so as long as you put that out there and they can go, Lori, why did you not, why didn't you pick me? I had the better thing. And it was like, well, they wanted just this one thing. But you said I could go ahead and bid it. And yeah, I but, said, yeah, but I wanted them to give their choices. It's a committee. <laughs> it's a committee that makes yeah. those decisions, too. It's not like it's you, like, I'm going to choose you. Yeah. Isn't it a whole committee of people that make that decision? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, there's a There's a team. Whoever it is is requesting me to to do the thing I'm doing. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I feel I feel your pain on that cuz you can really get like cored and stuff like that. And it's really hurtful. <laughs> like it it makes you have to like really have meetings with your boss and lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? I bet. I yeah. bet. Yeah. I've tangled with some of those people that you've had to deal with before. Yeah, I'm sure. In consulting business. <laughs> I am sure. Woo. Anyway, they're, but they're just trying to do their business, too, so you can't take it personal. No. All right, so um, you got to... We got to high school. High school, and then you decided to go into college? Well, okay, so when I was in high school, I wanted nothing more than to get the hell out of my parents' house. Mm. That needed to happen ASAP. And so <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I've always been, my parents raised me to be independent and mm-hmm. then they were sorry that they did. Uh-huh. So we have a great relationship now, but at the time <laughs> I was like, I have got to get away from you people. And a friend of mine had an apartment he was leaving that was at Harry and Emporia that was $150 a month, all Ooh. bills paid. Yeah. Okay. It was like, how could you? And so I told my parents I'm moving out. I can do and they're this. like, they're like, how can you move out? I'm like, how can I not for $150 a right. month? I mean, really? And so, um, so I decided I just wanted to go work. And mm-hmm. I, um, since I was a little kid, I always knew I wanted to own my own business. I didn't know what it was, what I wanted <laughs> to be, but I wanted to own my own business. So, mm-hmm. so I always wanted to work. So I ended up working um, at a pay, at Payless Shoes. Okay, I was a manager trainee mm-hmm. at Payless Shoes. And as um, an 18 year old, 19 year old, 19 years yeah. old. Okay. Yeah. 19. And so very, I think it was like within six months, they made me a manager who mm. would do that with a 19 year old. It was just this most stupid thing. And now looking back, I'm like, those people had no sense. So <laughs> I, they put me in the store at, um, at so I all went out of business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at 21st and Oliver. Yeah. And it was probably about a 98% black clientele. Uh-huh. Sure. And everybody I worked with hated black people so much that nobody wanted to go to that store. Huh. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll yeah. go. Right. I loved things about that store. Right. Like that was the time when Celebrate, that song, Celebrate uh-huh. Good Times, come on, and We Are Family. Uh-huh. And those songs came out. And when those songs would come on the radio, it turned into like a, a dance. <laughs> yeah. It was like we were in the middle Trying of a on. musical and everybody was like dancing and singing. It was so much fun yeah but so you were just you were just easily to get along with any cultures yeah so it didn't bother you to go you know somewhere where it was bothering someone else that no. they didn't want to go i just love people i yeah. don't care right 
I'm kind of the same way. You know, I mean, I don't like assholes. Well, yeah. And, and so, no matter what your color is, if you're an asshole, I'm going to try to get the hell away from you. Yep. And and if you're a nice person, I'm going to be drawn to you like a moth to the flames, you know. Yep. So... Yep. And I think that I've always felt kind of akin to black women, too. I know that's mm-hmm. kind of a weird thing to say in this time. I have, too. I always have. But I'm sassy, mm-hmm. and I am um, I am uh, thick. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I always felt like, wow, if I was a black woman, I would have less problems with people thinking I should be a patriarchal Barbie. Right. You know? I can totally get that, you yeah. know? If I were black, I wouldn't have to be a patriarchal Barbie. It's the way I look at that kind of ideal womanhood kind of, you know, if you're a white woman, you're supposed to be blonde and curvy and skinny. Right. And And, and only like one or two percent of them actually are those things. So I never wanted to be like everybody else. I don't care. Mm -mm. I would be totally different just for the sake of that. But, um, (laughs) But yeah, so I've always really felt akin to to black women and um and it's given me a lot of um it's given me a lot of wanting to explore that so it makes me curious okay so and getting to know people and you know what i love about being a creative too in the creative crowd and i've always thought of myself as a creative person yeah we don't care what people look like. We don't care how people self-identify. Right. We don't care anything about that. Are you creative? Because right. if you're not, then you're a yeah. piece of crap. And, you know, <laughs> we don't care what you look like, but right. if you can't create very well, then that's right. how you get spurred. Right. It could be. <laughs> that could be the thing. You know, if you're not earning your own or contributing your juices to the flow, yeah. then you're out. We've yeah. got places to go with this, you yeah. know. And it, it goes... And it ebbs and it flows. But here in Wichita, there's a great creative community. You're yeah. a big part of it. Um, so wh- where did where did After Midnight come into that? Well, um, I did end up going back to college. Uh-huh. I um, I managed the salon all after I worked at Payless, which I got fired at right away, of course, because the clients were, the customers were stealing from me, uh-huh. the employees were stealing from me, were getting held up at gunpoint, all oh, this wow. stuff. Yeah. And so I had no control of the store because I'm a 19-year-old person, right? Right, right, right. So I left there and went to the magical, mystical world of the Hair Force. Okay. And that was a hair salon. That's where, like, the owners of Planet Hair came from uh-huh. sure. and so we were very very avant-garde we'd had like crazy colored hair then oh, in the 80s i worked right. there all of the 80s and people would walk in and go holy shit and see how we looked and then they turn around and leave really oh yeah it was hilarious but so we had like, like the punk rockers kind of you know. we were more new wavy but i was in okay. my personal life more of a punk rocker okay and then the <laughs> punk rock crowd didn't like the hair force or the hair force crowd because they were new wavy and it was just <laughs> it was crazy it was so the 80s were so much fun though i had such yeah. a great time yeah that is fun yeah that's fun to even hear about yeah so um i so when i worked at the hair force we had these fantastic fashion shows that's also is where art aid came from okay doing all those fashion shows is what Todd really that owns Planet Hair uh-huh. loves doing and, and he so still does them. yeah mm-hmm. he does and he's always fabulous he's got so many great ideas I wish we do Art Aid again but he says no but 
But um, <laughs> anyway, it was a lot of work. A lot of work. I volunteered. It was really cool. It though. was. I worked with Art Aid for 20 years. I volunteered right. with Art Aid for 20 years. So um, at the Air Force then, I met Terry Mott okay. and that whole cr- crew of uh-huh. people. And nice. Terry was a model for us in our fashion shows. And uh, that's how course. I met her. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and Teddy and Barlow. <laughs> Jake, I don't know if he modeled that much during that time or did he just sit back smoke cigarettes and criticize yeah he liked more he was in a lot of movies oh yeah he did a lot of movies and stuff around that time he was in the acting oh yeah always he was mr movie know everything about every movie yeah yep that's right yeah i missed those movies at the um at the uh center Center for for the the arts Arts. Yeah. yeah he brought in some great ones didn't he yeah yep it was such a magical time. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So that was just so many fun things happened for that, and part of part of that was after midnight. Okay. So I decided to my husband at the time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to finish my degree, and he said, "You know what? Quit your job. Go back to school. I'll take care of everything. You can finish your degree." And so I started being an after midnight DJ around that time, mm. or maybe before that time. And um, and was on the radio on Thursday nights from midnight until four in the morning. Thursday nights from midnight till four in the morning. Yeah, That's, it was actually Friday morning. And those are recorded in, on a on a uh, cloud somewhere. Somebody sent me that. And there are people who recorded the programs uh-huh. when they were happening, just like set up their boombox yeah. and hit record. Somebody sent me a few MP3 files of uh, different episodes, uh, yeah. the whole program. And so maybe I'll put that on here, like a link to it, if you guys want to check that out. Yep. So okay. I did lots of interviews with people. I interviewed the embarrassment during that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of the embarrassment. We used to go every weekend to see them play. And the Coyote Club brought mm. amazing people. Yeah, one of my right up the street. Yep. One yep. of my brushes of fame was that I got to see Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers penis. Oh. Yeah. You know, when he was putting on the sock thing? No. Actually, what happened was, uh, <laughs> like he showed us. Um, the, so, our book. Was it, it was nice. Um, Art Bush. Art Bush owned the Coyote Club, and he was married to a friend of mine, Jan Clampett. Jan uh-huh. Mullen Clampett Bush. Anyway, so um, she, we, after they played, she's like, "Let's go backstage and get their autograph and talk to him." Like, sure. Yeah. She is a little bit of an instigator too. Mm-hmm. So we're back there, and she says to Anthony, and it's just she and I and Anthony in the back room, and she says, "My friend Jill wants to see your penis." Oh, my gosh. And he said, do you? And I said, why sure. not? Yeah. And so he <laughs> dropped his rabbit fur jock strap and showed him, showed us his penis. And I, he was probably expecting more, but we're like, that's nice. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I just love that story. Yeah. So funny. Well, he wasn't he wasn't modest. He still is no, no, modest person. No, he didn't care at all. No, they don't but that care. That was fun. But one of my, one of very many fun memories of the Coyote Club. Is Anthony Kiedis' penis. Yes. Yeah, that's a good yes. one. I can't imagine um, yeah. anything really better to have to go through, really. Oh, but I met so many really <laughs> cool people. I met Los Lobos. I met... I love oh, Los Man, I met just so, so many people at the Coyote Club because you could just always go backstage and talk to them. Yeah. So it was fun. So anyway, I quit my job at the Hair Force and I went back to school. Mm-hmm. And I started um, started working on my degree. And the day before school starts, 
My husband up and leaves me. Uh, what? Yes. He had fallen in love with someone else. Oh I think gosh. it was even before he promised that he would help me get through school. Oh, my gosh. I know. And so here I am. What am I going to do? What am yeah. I going to do now? Well, you're already locked in, right? I mean, well, I tried it for a semester. I really did. But when you don't have, you know, much income coming in, that's not yeah, you can't easy do it. thing. Yeah. I was working at Sears Telecatalog International as a customer service specialist Ooh, yeah, um, in college. Well, for me, it was fun because it's just talking to people on yeah. the phone. But I was a customer service specialist, so all the people I talked to were really, really pissed off. Mm-hmm. So I got to experiment and learn a lot of de-escalation techniques. Yeah. And that was that was a blast because i've always loved sociology and how people think yeah psychology yeah i I love anthropology and yeah that's what made me start the podcast is anthropology that makes sense this culture this is our culture it's this great thing i want to document it cool because i'm a nerd yeah well (laughs) now you got my life story documented it's you know a glossy overview but yeah yeah. So um, so I tried that for a semester, and it wasn't working out. So then I saw that the job to sell Aveda products mm. was open in Wichita. And when I worked at the Hair Force, I loved that product line. Mm-hmm. And I loved everybody that I met from the company. Because okay. they would bring people in to meet us all sure. the time. And I thought, man, someday I want to work for that company. Yeah. So I applied for the job. Cool. And I got it. Nice. However... They said I was still an after midnight DJ, and I. They said you're going to have to quit your, your, um, your after midnight DJ. You're going to have to quit doing that. This is a really demanding job. Mm-hmm. Sales is so you're not going to be able to do both of them. And I thought, oh, sure I am. And I said, well, okay, let me think about it. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I hear that the ad is back in the paper what? for the position. I know, and I'm like, oh my god. So I call Todd. Uh-huh. Todd, oh my God, they had the job and now I don't. And he called them up and said, you know what? You're stupid. Jill <laughs> is the only person in town that should have that job. She loves the line. She knows the business. She knows everybody in town. Yeah. If you don't hire her, she's stupid. And you can come and pick up all my Aveda product right now. I'm returning uh, it all. Yeah. If you don't hire her. <laughs> so the president of the company calls me and goes, you got friends. Yeah. You got friends in Wichita. Whoa. At the same time. Whoa. At the same time, really cosmically weird. Mm-hmm. Um, we get called in. I was assistant producer at the time of After Midnight, and Pete Stutman was a producer. Uh-huh. Pete and I get called into the office of the station manager where they tell us that they are canceling the program of as of now. <gasps> Done. You're gone. So you didn't even have to quit. Nope. Uh, and you didn't have to let anybody down. Nope. So you just, that was amazing. Timing is everything. Yeah. So what I've, happened? Like, what did you feel like when that happened? Did you go take Todd out for dinner and then buy all his drinks for nights? Todd and I have been good friends. <laughs> Todd and I have been really good friends since like 1980. Mm-hmm. And we still are really good friends. Yeah. And so um, it's just kind of what you do for your friends. Yeah. And I didn't ask him to do that, but Todd is one of those people who are so fiercely loyal. You're like lucky to have him as a friend because he will cut a bitch for you. (laughs) That's awesome. Happily. Oh, man, I need a friend like Todd. He's great. I feel <laughs> so. Fortunate. How long did you work with Aveda then? I worked with Aveda for eight years. Okay. Um, so I they was... liked you a lot, and they they must have been like, "Good thing Todd called." Well, I'm <laughs> super driven. Mm-hmm. That is just how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. I like to make things happen. 
And I don't mess around. Heck yeah. I also really believed that if I could help the salons I worked with be more successful, that that would help me be more successful. Right. So I did a lot of consulting because I'd managed a salon for 10 years. Okay. I did a lot of consulting with them. I did a lot of teaching. Mm-hmm. Like, here's how you sell. Here, boys, here's how you put makeup on people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I did all kinds of classes for them and I found out that I love teaching. I love it. Right. So, um, Found all that out through Veda. Also, the people I met with the Veda were just amazing. When I had to go to Minneapolis for a month mm. for my training mm-hmm. when I got hired, which wow. was really weird because I had just gotten divorced not that long ago. Yeah. Get in your crappy car and drive to Minnesota, <laughs> you know, and ha- and live with these people you've never met before right. in this tiny apartment for a month. So they put was, you all up in like an apartment house? Yeah, with cheap-ass rented furniture. Uh-huh. With, in the middle of nowhere, there was no place to eat. There was, was nothing to do. It was cold. It was wintertime? It was the fall. Uh, yep. In Minnesota? Yeah. But that okay. they always put us up in that apartment when they sent us there because it was cheaper than renting a hotel. Right. For everybody. And for it was sure. really crappy. And it wasn't Aveda per se. It was a distributor for Aveda right. at the time. So anyway, but it was so it an incredible didn't smell experience. Smell like a Veda product. Everything and... always. It was just you were in Veda heaven it. all the time, and uh, the stuff that they trained us. They trained us on so much. Mm-hmm. It changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, they cha- trained us um, into all kinds of different new ways of thinking. They mm. taught us neuro linguistic programming, which is how the brain works. Whoa. They taught us um, how to sell. They taught us how to teach. They just taught. I, they taught me so much. Right. And I loved the company. I loved the people that I worked with. I am super duper. Um, um, I'm a true believer. I'm a jojoba witness when it comes to <laughs> Aveda. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And uh, yeah. so I was dedicated. Right. And I loved it. So, but I worked, it was 60 hours, 60 to 80 hours a week really easily. Whoa. And I traveled a lot. And uh-huh. after about four years of that, I became a sales manager. So then I started going to Minneapolis about once a month too mm. for more training. But not in and the apartment anymore. No. And then they Here. put us in the hotels. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. Yeah. And you know, you made such good friends. You only would see each other when you traveled in together. So right. it was like, oh my God. And you'd room with the same people. Right. So. I they have, were like-minded people because they were doing the same thing and they're yep. kind of same mission, mm-hmm. you know, same idea, everything made from plants and flowers, you know, right? all that. We're super duper into it. And it's funny, people used to think of us as a cult and we'd always wear black. And for some reason, our foundations would be really, really light. <laughs> so we were like really white and black. It was, it was really, it was it's interesting. Kind of like a stagehand in a way. Maybe. <laughs> but again, it was like this magical, magical yeah. time and place. And so um, I loved doing that. But I got married again during that time. Mm. And during that time, my my second husband said, quit your job. Oh, no. Go back to school. Finish your degree. Yeah. I'll help you out. Yeah, yeah. But this time it worked. Oh, good. And this time good. I did. I did get through and finish my degree and um, was really felt really supported through that. So that uh-huh. was great. Yeah. Um, it was in 2000. Okay. And I finished my degree finally. Uh-huh. So but I also loved going back to school as an adult because I feel like I really learned so much more because I knew what I wanted to know. Right. And how I was going to apply it to my life. It was like my or finishing at least the school. concept of what you wanted to apply it to or how yep. this would apply in some yep. way. Yeah, I totally get that. I went to school later as well. I started and did a semester and got married and 
same kind of thing. Got mm-hmm. divorced and uh, many years later decided I need to go back and finish this thing. You know, yeah. What, what, what can I do? You know, I know. Isn't it a cool feeling when you do finish it though? It's yeah. like I did this. It yes. is very, very cool. And, and especially if you do it later in life and you're taking a class or two a semester and working like that's what i did is work yeah. full time and take a class or two so it took forever yeah and when it did finally end i thought to myself what am i going to do because i would work full time and then on my little spare time i had i was Study. always you know i was studying i was reading and i'm like what am i going to do i'm just gonna not read now i know <laughs> i felt like like really having to think of how i can fill, fill my life you uh-huh. know yeah, it is really weird. When you finish a big goal, uh-huh. it's always weird like that. It's like, okay, well, I've been working for this for years, and now here I am, and now what? Now what? Yeah. yeah. What's I think gonna that's now? I think that's normal, but I think that's okay because it's time to, like, pause. Yeah. And so now what's next? So pivot. Yeah. That's or, you know, big, just... That's the big word right yeah, now Yeah, it pivot. is. If we were playing buzzword bingo, that would definitely be on the card. <laughs> yeah. When I worked for Aveda, we kind of had our own language. <laughs> yeah. And my mom used to... And I would, you know, say the, like, challenge. We never said it was a problem. It was a challenge and things like that. <laughs> exactly. And my mom and my friends just all thought I was so ridiculous. I remember Jake one time. He was... <laughs> Jake would come stay with me sometimes. Um, and he would... Somebody said does Jill have any aspirin at her house? He said, no, she just has essential oils you rub on your temples, which wasn't true. Of course I had aspirin, but anyway, my friends kind of thought I went crazy for a little while, but my mom also threatened to make a buzzword bingo card. Yeah. Of all the things that you said, like these catchphrases or whatever. So I could take them with me to sales meetings. Yeah. So they could just check them off. I, I kind of do that with people. There's certain people have a certain, um, way they say things or certain words they say every day uh-huh. or phrases they say every day yeah. and there was one lady it was driving me crazy so i just wrote them all down <laughs> and then made copies of it for myself <laughs> and every day she would say when i check it off so instead of being mad about it i was just having a good old time yeah. checking boxes you know look at all the boxes i like, checked today absolutely yeah that's so funny <laughs> i think we all have those don't you yeah certain words that we use all the time yeah. Yeah, yeah we so definitely too. do. Mine is definitely. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. totally. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> That's yep, me. Yep. So. I'm trying for some new ones. Um, huzzah is my new big one. Huzzah. Because I saw that show Catherine on Hulu. Yeah. Huzzah! That was so fun. I haven't seen Catherine. I should see that. It's 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 fun. So um, let me see. So then, so you graduated um, college. yeah. So I so before when I quit my job at Evade, I thought, what am I going to do now? I can't. It was a lucrative job. I can't just go work someplace for minimum wage. What am I going to do? So I talked to one of my entrepreneurship was my major, and I talked to one of my professors about it, and I said, I'm thinking about either doing massage or because I knew the massage industry really well, uh-huh. massage or business consulting. He's like business consulting are you crazy <laughs> so that's so i went to yeah. s- some of my clients that i had worked with when i sold aveda and said this is what i'm doing now and there were a bunch that said yay when can you start working with me really and planet hair was one of those nice yeah. and i helped planet hair open when i was i wrote a business plan and helped them open when i was working for aveda and so you're helping them not only um with 
questions and fielding um, media, but you're helping them actually with the bank loans and things like that? Yeah, what I do, um, uh, 22 years now, I've been doing business consulting, isn't that mm-hmm. crazy? And great. so what I do is I help people, if they need to get funding, we write a full-fledged business plan. Okay. Because you have to really have that to show the bankers mm-hmm. um, so they know how you're going to pay them back and what your plans are. I think it's a really good idea to do anyway. Mm-hmm. But when people are self-funded, a lot of times we'll talk about all those things and work through a lot of those right. things, but we won't like type it all up. And you are the person who types it all up. Actually, what I like to do the best is be the guide on the side. Mm. And the person I'm working with writes their own business plan. And I oh, help okay. them and I edit at them and I tell them. We talk about we talk about what their strategies are going to be and mm-hmm. then they write it up. Not everybody can do that. And mm-hmm. so for people who can't, I will do that for them. Or give them a template and kind of let them go from I have a template, but yeah. I don't ever give anybody my template. Okay. Because I've done that before. And then they're like, thanks for the gumball, Mickey. And they're gone. Uh, Oh, yeah, you know. I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I use templates all the time because I'm doing a new job than I did, and so I like go fetch them off of other people's and go, How, "What's the right way to do this?" Yeah, because you can really make mistakes if if you just wing it. Well, you're gonna forget things, right? Yeah, and it was a template I got when I was at WSU in the entrepreneurship. And you've just school. tweaked it out yep. year after year of things that you've learned and. Yep what bit you in the butt and yep like so i've had some people like um kira ottaway that has opened perfect plate now Hmm. she came to me and we wrote her business plan it took us about a year okay to get the business plan written and that's not unusual sometimes it takes that long right and now she's open she opened her first location in mays and she's a 100 percent gluten-free kitchen heat and eat pre-prepared meals okay so a way different concept right so i love kira she is amazingly awesome she has got the a the best work ethic. She's part of the Ottaway amusement family. Oh, really? And you have never met a harder working, nicer bunch of people in your life. Right. I interviewed Ian, and he's 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 like the scoundrel of the group, but uh-huh. he's actually really nice. Yeah. So he's really kind hearted. Yeah. But he wants to make you think it's cold, dark, and, and broken somehow. <laughs> Interesting. Uh huh. So you just gotta flow with him. Yeah. But yeah, it was the. It was, I actually kind of started listening to it tonight because it just kind of automatically came on when I turned my Bluetooth on and, uh, and, um, I started to listen to it, but it was the hardest one to edit that I've ever edited ever. So anyway, (coughs) business consulting. Okay. So I help people write the business plans and then I actually go with them to the banker. I think that is the scariest part for people. Mm -hmm. So I will help them to, um, talk to investors. I'll help them talk to bankers, whatever, because I think, and it's proven to be the case that it's just money mm-hmm. and you're going to find it. You may have to go to a bunch of different places, but you will right. find it and just don't give up. Right. So, um, I have, yeah, 22 years. So some of the businesses I've helped, um, have closed like Bluebird Art House. Uh-huh. There's not very many of them really that have closed though that I've helped. And then there's some that have changed owners like, um, Donut Hole, uh-huh. but there are other ones that have been around for, you know, I helped Tanya reopen 
open the soup kitchen. Uh-huh. Um, I help Planet Hair open Beautiful Day Cafe. Right. And um, Lotus Leaf Cafe. Great. Yeah. And then I also work with existing businesses, too. I help existing businesses grow. So mm-hmm. one company I work with is called Optometric Billing Solutions. It's these two women that are in their, I think, the early 40s now uh-huh. that are have a multi-million dollar business doing billing for optometrists all over oh, the wow, United States. Oh, wow. That's cool. They are brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant women. Yeah. And so Cute. I have helped them grow from 30 employees to 130 employees over Here the past five years. Yep. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. It is really cool. They, tomorrow, they're up again for best uh, best places to work with the Wichita Business Journal. Really? Um, they've been winning first or second place for the past four years. I think they'll get it again. They are some of the best people to work for. They are really, really good to their employees and yeah, fair. Cool. And transparent. I think you recommended me to go over to them when probably. I was looking for something else. Yeah. And I almost did. So I'm, you know, I might, I might be jealous right now. I don't There's know. a lot of, they promote everybody from within. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really And it's two cool women. Work. And I'm just all about women being business owners and being equal in our society. And they're just not. And I just, you know, they're just not. And yep. that's just not right. Yep. And that's part of why I started the Finishing School for Modern Women yep. then. Yeah. It's because I, first of all, I noticed in consulting how much we get in our own way mm-hmm. and how our confidence or lack of confidence holds us back. And so I thought if I can start If I can teach classes, because I love doing that, Mm -hmm. if I can teach classes and help people realize how they can own their power Mm -hmm. and the power that they have that they actually can own and help them with the skills and the understanding that they need to move forward in their life, Mm -hmm. that that is my that's my mission. That is my life mission is to help people gain the confidence to understand that they own the power to do whatever they want to. Yes, and, and that is such a good, positive, and pure mission, you know? It, good for you. It, takes, it helps me with everything, whether right. it's consulting, whether it's the finishing school. Um, I teach entrepreneurship in the arts at Wichita State now mm-hmm. in the fall. Wow. And so that's what I try to do with my students, too. Is you get know? them yeah. pulled into a place where they understand their own potential. Yeah. And what they can contribute to society and, and, and in general, the earth, you yeah. know. Well, and I tell them all the time, too, I really believe that people deserve to make a living doing what they love. Right. We spend too much time in our life working. And so if we're not loving what we do, why do it? Right. And I've been so fortunate in my life, and that's what's kept me in Wichita, is I have been able to do these incredible projects, whether it's been what I've worked or what I've done volunteer work for, because mm-hmm. I was with Art Aid for 20 years. I was fr- with Friends of the Wichita Art Museum just right. recently for six years. I was the chair for two of those six years. Oh, wow. Now I'm on the board of Black Women Empowered. Oh, cool. So and volunteer is very, very important to me. Yeah. So being able to work with all these different and be involved in all these different projects that were so amazing right. is what has kept me here. And the been and watching Wichita grow it from the things that you're doing has to be a, a positive thing that you pull from it you know like um, it's kind of hard to take it's kind of hard to take credit for that kind of stuff it really is for me because 
I'm doing what I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you never know what impact you have on people. But right. I'll tell you what, the universe sends me messages all the time. I was walking in Sam's one day and this woman just stopped me and said, I read your blog and I love it. Oh, I cool. never met her. I went through Popeye's last week, the <laughs> drive-thru. I get to the drive-up window and this young woman's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. And went serious fangirl on All me. Right. And that's just so, that's so weird though. Yeah. Because I'm just living my life doing what I'm trying to do. Right. But I put myself out there so much. Sure. Um, because a lot of what I have to do is self-promotion. Right. And promoting others too. And right. so I really when put myself out there. Your- when you're promoting other people, you're you're out there promoting them. Yep. So you're putting your neck out you. for other people. You're a face for Wichita society, culture, that kind of thing. And it's just it's just great what you do, Jill. And I'm so glad that I got you to talk to you into coming Thanks. to my podcast. I feel Thanks. very honored. I just I'm just having fun and loving my life. I say a lot. This is all for my own entertainment anyway. Yeah. And so um, while I am doing things that um, I hope will help people, it's really helping me. Right. And the interesting thing about the finishing school for me is that I started the finishing school right after I got divorced for the second time. Uh-huh. It was a really hard and painful divorce. I was married for 24 years the second time. Yeah. And it was really bad. So um, I was reinventing myself. Right. And so tell the tell the listeners if they don't know about the finishing school. Okay. Please. So the finishing school for modern women is um, a place where I do classes on all kinds of different topics, whatever craziness I can come up with. And a lot of the topics have come because it was something I wanted to work in on within myself. Mm, yes. So I've got classes on how to say no, because I'm really suck at that. And, <laughs> um, and how to, um, I have got a really great class I do with Janet Federico, Transitioning Trauma. Mm-hmm. That's all about how to move past trauma. And it is amazing. Yeah. And I've learned so much and grown so much from the finishing school so all the classes are a la carte they're 35 dollars a piece it i have really cut back on how many classes i'm doing especially right now we're kind of in the middle we're in a not a good place for the finishing school right because right now if we're looking at maslow's you know hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. we're in the survival mode right we are not in the improvement um, right at the top right. yeah the self-actualization is mode that what it is yeah and i the finishing school is a bit about self-actualization uh-huh. and so if people's mindsets aren't there then it doesn't work so i've been trying to focus on classes that i think are more survival kind of things understood so yeah yeah. but then also saving your monies and and this kind of thing that uh how to make this go further or how to do this or that yep i have a panel discussion and i love panel discussions Uh but i have a panel discussion coming up december 5th that's called now what Mm -hmm. so for people that are at a crossroads in their career for whatever reason whether it's covid they think they want to retire whatever and so i have three panelists that i'm going to use with for the show or the show the class and it's um her name is tracy adams she is wealth management she does Mm -hmm. wealth management 
She's going to be great to help people with retirement stuff. And then I have Jan Mead, who has um, been a career coach for a very long time. She worked at WSU. Yeah, I've I've heard her name around. I adore her. Yeah. And then I also am um, asking Cheryl Smith, who is a specialist in HR, to come and talk too. So so we'll be asking questions, but the audience will be able to ask questions too. So yeah. So those are the kinds of things I think people are looking more maybe for Right. right now. I also have a class at the end of this month, Turning Anger into Power. Because I don't know about you, but I'm pissed. A lot of times I am. I haven't been sleeping well, and I'm the best sleeper. Like, yep. all my life, I've all, never had any trouble sleeping. Um, this president sucks, and I hate him. Yep. And uh, and he makes me worry Yep. all the time. Yep. Uh, because he's not... And the people that I love that support him, um, I feel like they've been uh, somehow brainwashed yep. by something. And I, I'm not sure what it is. You know, I'm not sure. Is it racism? I'm not sure if it's greed. I'm not sure if it's uh, like, to me, this is like the last fight of the white man being the superior being of our world or our country Mm -hmm. and uh i feel like they're fighting to the very last tooth and nail and we're gonna have to fight right back tooth and nail to not have them win because they're used to winning and they're used to being on top and they're used to and doing anything and the women that support them because there's a bunch of them i'm just i'm dumbfounded by but uh but i feel like it's kind of like how they talk about me, they say, I drank the Kool-Aid, or I'm right. a sheep, or uh, I'm a libtard sometimes. Yep. And uh, and I always think, actually, it's flipped. Actually, you drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, and that's, that's a really interesting thing, I think, that's going on right now, is there's a lot of deflection. Right. Um, the, we have a narcissist yeah. in the... In the, in the presidency and so we are all reacting to narcissism so and and stockholm syndrome is real yeah it is so there are people who are really buying into that because it reaffirms their beliefs whatever that would be and for a lot of people i think it's fear right it's fear yep they are stoking fear yeah you know don't you got to be better than them you've got to like protect yourself from all these people are going to come to your house and kill you for your because they're all criminals or Or whatever. The the weirdness to me is I was raised public school kid too. And my favorite, like my first memorable teacher was a black lady named Valerie Ellis. And uh, she just, something about her, she just helped me develop me who I am today. Cool. And then like later on I noticed I just get along this type of woman rather than this type of woman like i would rather take instruction for whatever reason because i feel like you're you care whereas you maybe don't or i don't know so i think that whole public school gave me the perception that everybody is equal Mm -hmm. every women and men are equal and we do different things we have better we can make babies, so maybe we're more superior. But um, but otherwise, <laughs> well, we can't make them alone, though. Right, right. Yeah. But we 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 totally 
incubate them, (laughs) you know? So it's totally our choice there. That's our body. Well, and I think, too, that's why women are so much different in leadership than men are, too, Mm -hmm. because we think more about birth. And Mm -hmm. frankly, men think more about fighting or fighting and death and you know those kinds of fighting things and fucking. well <laughs> you know, they, they like say. to use their swords yeah so um yeah. yeah so i think that that's one of the big differences and i think that's why companies that are being that are allowing women to play more are being more successful because I think that, you know, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can come together and figure out how we can work together, it's a balance. But I think so much of what we're seeing now in society is more male-dominated. And here in Wichita, in business, it is still absolutely very, oh, and, and, very male-dominated. And if you look at the, the country as a whole, it's yeah. how many women are out there that are in politics. You know, it's very low level compared to, I mean... Yep. It is. It's getting better, though. Yeah. And more and more there. I think there's a record number of running women running this time. Yeah. And that's awesome. I hope they get it, too. I do, too. Um, even the Republicans. I don't care. And <laughs> I mean, just maybe they'll come to their senses while they're in there. They no. won't. You don't think they will? I think people are fundamentally who they are. Yeah. Like for their whole life. Like, I have always loved people. That Mm -hmm. is part of who I am. When it comes to fight, flight, freeze, I am fight every time. That is who I am. Right, right. I mean, that is those basic things about me Mm -hmm. are not going to change. Really? I think I I change all the time. Like, sometimes I'm fighting with Jen. Sometimes I'm freezing. Oh, really? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I'm backing out of there and you never saw me. I fight every time whether it serves me or not. That's just my natural reaction. My mom freezes. Okay, and also I want to tell you about, I want you to tell about the blog. The blog, okay. What's it called and what's the... It's just the Finishing School for Modern Women blog. It's just on my website, finishingschoolformodernwomen.com. So I've always loved writing. My Mm -hmm. mom is... is, um, I've always loved reading. I think that's where it really started. And so I've always kind of written stuff. Mm -hmm. So I started sending out newsletters for the finishing school and I had information about the classes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And people weren't really opening those up a lot. I mean, you know, if they wanted to see the classes, sure. Right. And I thought, I'm going to start a blog and then people are going to want to read it. So they're going to open it more often. And so I started and I started writing like 500 words was how much I started with. And I found out that search engines don't really find that short a blog. So I started writing blogs that were like 1200 to 1500 words. Right. And I try not to, I mean, actually a lot of times I have to like edit it, cut it back because I've written even more words. So um, it's not too hard to do that, but I don't also like string it, keep it strung out right. um, just to make it longer. But anyway, so I have um, really found my voice, I mm-hmm. think, in doing that. I am having That's a cool. lot of fun writing it. Um, I've won some awards nice. for doing that. Uh-huh. I won um, third place nationally when the National Federation of Press Women That's cool. last year. Yes. Last year, 2019. Actually, it's this year, 2020. Ooh, okay. Yeah. We didn't have our conference, so it seems like last ah, year. Everything, yeah. 2020. So weird. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But um, so anyway, I just, I write of whatever is in my head. Really? And sometimes that can be hard because what's in my head could be controversial mm-hmm. or maybe something I don't necessarily want to share with people mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. But I find every time that if I'm trying to write something else and something else is in my head, I have to write that first. Uh-huh. Okay. And a lot of times that'll end up in a blog, whether it's really super vulnerable or not. And I've written about a lot of things that were like pushing that publish button that send button is like oh my god yeah but those are the ones that i always get the most response to and i always know if i cry when i'm writing a blog that it's going to be really good (laughs) it's so ridiculous because somebody else feels you're i mean like me personally i'm empathetic to people Mm -hmm. and i'll just if you're crying when you wrote something i'll probably cry and reading it you know for sure because I can feel that in a commercial sometimes, like the dog got saved in the fire in the house, and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh my god, that's so sad. I'm the biggest crybaby. <laughs> um, I've helped for the past two years. I've helped line up the speakers for the Women's March, mm. which is so much fun. I love doing it because then yeah. you get to like take people that nobody ever hears from uh-huh. and put them on stage, and they're flipping genius. Yeah, it's it's anyway. That's been yeah. so much fun. There was a young lady that was like 14 years old that spoke last year, and I'm getting chills just thinking about. She was so powerful and really? so awesome. Oh my god! So. Um, Women's oh, March. yeah. So this year, I, I love having music opener. Mm-hmm. And we were at the Wave this year because mm-hmm. it's cold in January. So we had a gospel um, quartet of women start. Whoa. And I just sat there and cried. And my friend Mary Dean, who is an elder in the black community, and she's the president of Black Women Empowered. She asked me to be in that with her. She's like looking at me and going, you are the biggest crybaby I've ever seen in my life. What are you crying about? And like the people are, the speeches, I'm like crying. I'm like just crying through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can cry. But I cry more about being touched by things than I do about being sad about things. Me too. Though the only time I really cry when I'm sad about stuff is funerals, and I always cry at funerals too. Yeah, I can barely know you and cry at your funeral if your mom comes up and says some words about you, or <laughs> you know, uh, if anybody's lips tremble around me, I'm I'm trembling too. I'm like reaching for the Kleenexes because I know it's getting ready to happen. But I think that's a really good thing. One thing I teach a lot at the finishing school is that there are no bad emotions or good emotions. That all emotions have a purpose and they're here to teach us things. And so really honoring and paying attention to those emotions, whether they're painful or whether Uh they're fun, is really an important part of life. It is. But in business... Well, that's what I love about working for myself, because I can sit with my client and we can cry. Yeah, you guys can cry it up. But when I'm sitting in the middle of a team's meeting and we're trying to do, uh, right now we're doing um, a new system Mm -hmm. and we're testing it Mm -hmm. and people will just go, hey, why don't you drive for a while and we'll just tell you what to do. And so you've got to be laser focused and okay. I'm doing that now. I'm doing this. Okay, where did you find that document? Because I cannot find Uh (laughs) it. It's a lot of pressure. But some people break down during that pressure. Yeah. And if you want to go further or not be laughed at later... You need to keep your shit together. Yep. And we talk about that in the um, Turning Anger into Power class. You can cry later. 
Yeah, if you can, but not everybody can hold that back. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And we talk about that in the anger, uh, turning anger into power class. Mm -hmm. Because you can't hold that anger inside you all the time. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. Uh Uh-uh. And so how are we going to find that? And how are we going to take that anger and turn it into something productive? Mm. And that's what we talk about in that class. Right. So what what made you think... what made you think of that lesson? What was it that you were going through that caused spurred on that lesson? Like, did you have a lot of anger and you're I'm like a fiery, fiery woman? A red, I am. You're I'm redhead. a redhead. <laughs> I'm Scottish heritage. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just fiery. Yeah. I'm, you know, fight, fight, freeze. I'm fight. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm an Aries, and that's a fire sign. Wow. In in Ayurveda, I'm a Pitta, which is another fire sign, wow. and just all these. You know, I am just fire. Fire. I'm fire. Yeah, I am. And so I, I, anger is something that I have to work on. Yeah. And, you know, people talk about like punching pillows or that kind of thing when you're mad. To me, mm-hmm. flames just make the flames go higher. Really? Yeah. I got to like quench that fire. Like right. put it, you know. Like get a nice song on that's mellow. Whatever it is. Smell some essential oils <laughs> on everything. Mainly I just think about it. Yeah. You yeah. think about, or you write about it. Yeah. And the writing about it always helps you. It really does. Do yeah. you write too? Uh-huh. Um, that's what started this whole thing is me writing this concept. And like, I want to do this. I hear this. I hear something I like happening in our culture right now. And it was podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then I started listening to certain ones. And that opened doors to other ones and other ones and other ones. And then I started thinking, you know. Oh, what do these people do that I don't do? Yeah. You know, and then, and then one day I had my whole concept and then I got up at seven o'clock in the morning cause I'm an early bird and put on something on my headphones and watched on my phone an interview with Jay-Z. I know it was Jay-Z and Jay-Z said something about catching a pocket with them. And I said, that's the thing I've been looking for awesome and uh i typed it in the computer to see if anybody had already done it and they hadn't and i was like that's that's the name perfect and then my husband said it was stupid but that we we got over that (laughs) (laughs) it's not stupid he goes well you're in the middle of kansas there's no surfing here i'm like but it could be an air pocket or it can be a music pocket or you know what i mean it can be or a consciousness pocket yeah so we're catching a pocket right now. That's right, Jill. we are. So, okay, on the Catch a Pocket podcast, one question I always ask every guest, okay. because that's why I'm here, is to find out a story or if you can tell me some type of thing that happened to you, circumstance or whatnot, of inspiration. And that, that maybe could help someone else or me. My inspirational moment. Your inspirational moment, or even a story someone else told someone else and it inspired you somehow. Okay, so I think I'd like to um, talk about somebody who has inspired me. Okay. Okay, so um, my paternal grandmother, who we lived with when I was little, um, Clarice Roslyn Miller, What's her name? Okay. Um, She was such an influential part of my life. 
And part of what really influenced her, me about her is her love and her love of people and just how she would just surround people in love. You always felt when you were around her, like you were so loved. And that was a really, she really um, has always kind of guided that part of me. Mm. And when I was a teenager, she ended up getting cancer. And um, she, they gave her six months to live when they gave her her diagnosis. It was a really hard time in my life. I ran away from home. I did all kinds of bad things. Mm-hmm. I got in a lot of trouble around that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really wild. But um, anyway, I know now that it partially is because I was dealing with my grandma's death. But the thing that she, that inspired me the most about her was that she told me all the time, I have cancer and I'm going to die from it, but I'm not dead yet. So I'm going to live every minute of my life Mm -hmm. with everything I've got. And I have always took that to heart. And that is, that is how I've always tried to live my life to live every moment to its fullest for this to be a good day to die. Mm -hmm. That if I would leave the planet right now, that I would not leave things undone or things unsaid or that kind of thing. And that has really, I think that's part of what drives me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what makes me um, think about how ethics is just one of the very most important things that it's the only possession I have are my ethics. That's right. And so um, all those things, I think I really learned from my grandmother. And, and so that w- that has been inspiring to me. That's very special. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Well, do you have any last parting words to my guests or on the Catch a Pocket podcast? I think the biggest thing that I want people to understand right now in this very moment in time mm-hmm. is that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Take a breath, everybody. Yeah. I truly, truly believe that everything is going to be okay. Um, at summer solstice is going to sound really goofy, airy, fairy, but um, a summer solstice, because everything is online this year, it's mm-hmm. been kind of a blessing in a way. And I got to watch the sunrise um, come up over Stonehenge live with 500,000 other people online on Facebook at the same time. Wow. And the comments people were making and the love that people were sharing right. with each other. And it wasn't ugly at all. It was beautiful. It was all about love and, you know, and hopefulness. And I really believe that there's more good than evil. Yeah. And right now evil is much louder. Mm. But um, I really do believe that everything's going to be okay. But I think that we also have to keep working toward our own missions, not let people distract us, not let the voices of distract us from what we know is right Right. and what we know we need to do. So I guess that's my final words of wisdom for you. Well, Joe Miller, thank you for coming. Thanks for coming on the podcast and just thanks for being my friend and uh, being a great person. Thanks. And uh, I really appreciate you catching a pocket with me tonight. Thank you, darling. Ditto. All right. All right. Thanks. Mm -hmm.
Thank you, Joe Muller, for being a part of this third season of the Catch a Pocket podcast. Special thanks goes to Kirk Renstrom for the music and Lisa for allowing me to use it. This episode was written, produced, and edited and sponsored by me because I love Wichita and learning to make podcasts. If you have questions or would like to be a guest on the podcast, please email me at catchapocket at gmail.com. You can listen to this podcast on any podcast format, including Apple, Google, YouTube, and also now available on Amazon Alexa. Don't tell her I said it. And you can like us on Facebook, share us with your friends. We're on Instagram, sometimes very rarely on Twitter, and... We love to get some more friends and likes and views. I'd also like to thank anyone who supports this podcast and takes the time to give it a listen. I hope you all catch a pocket you can be proud of. See you next time. <laughs>